It's good to be in the house tonight, amen? And uh, I, uh, I am blessed and uh, grateful for the privilege to get to come to Crossway and uh, share my heart. Um, I, uh, as uh, your pastor just mentioned, I do want to say thank you to him, his wife, and this great church for the privilege to come. I don't take that for granted, um, and uh, I did uh, enjoy myself this morning. I, I'll be honest, uh, I, I thought I would throw my rib out of joint, and uh, and uh, if I'd had any hair, I'd have messed my hair up, I'm telling you. Uh, it really was a blessing to me to be there, and uh, such a blessing for me uh, to be here tonight. Uh, I, I had preached uh, a sermon this morning out of Luke, and uh, I dealt with um, uh, the Good Samaritan. And uh, I, I'm not going to preach that. Uh, the Lord wouldn't leave me alone this evening um, out of a text and uh, in Romans. And uh, I want you to have your Bible to go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. Uh, I, I'm not going to stop there. I do have a few more places we're going to go. Romans chapter 6. Uh, uh, I start calling names. I, I'll just say this. I, I'm honored for all the home folk, uh, all the visitors, uh, some of my friends. I'm telling you, I, I shook some of their hands and and told them, I, I mean, I'm honored they come. They're glutton for punishment. Amen. And uh, so glad they're here uh, in the service. Romans 6, I'll let you find that. I'm going to go to the last verse, verse 23. Then I'm going to go to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read one verse there, verse 13. I'll let you find that. Then I'm going to go to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter Chapter 2. I made about half of this crowd really, really nervous. (laughs) Taking three texts. I do have good news. They all deal and hinge on the same principle. And uh, so you'll find that out. I'll have to turn with you. But if you found Romans chapter 6, and you find verse 23, shout a big amen. If you said amen, do me a favor, real quick, stand all over this house in reverence to God's Word. I'll read here in Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, somebody say gift, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if you don't mind Turn a few pages over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. And I'll read one verse, verse 13. Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse... For us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Somebody say, tree. Alright, we've got gift and we've got tree. Look at, look at 1 Peter. See if I can find 1 Peter. Chapter number 2, verse 20. First Peter chapter 2, verse 20, 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. There's that word again, tree. That we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose Stripes, ye were healed. Father, I thank you tonight for the reading of the word of Almighty God. 
I thank you for every man, every lady, every boy and girl that is assembled into the house of God. You, you have set the stage for the preaching of the Word of God. We thank you for the wonderful worship. We thank you for the divine guest. How that you have met with us in worship as we lifted our hands and lifted our voices and gave you glory and gave you honor. But God, we've read from heaven's divine library. Now for a few moments in time, would you loose my mouth and loose my tongue? Let these people hear from the Word of God. And God, when the glory falls and the power moves, we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Before I give you... No, I'm going to go ahead and give you my title. I, I, I'm going to preach tonight. Now, it seems like the older I get... That time means nothing to me. Somebody grin or grunt, you'll make me feel. Now don't be worried, I'm just going to give you what I got. But I'm going to preach tonight, the gift is hanging on the tree. I hit the rewind button and say that one more time, the gift is hanging on the tree. In the state of Idaho, in the Christmas season, they, they boast of having the tallest Christmas tree. It stands at 161 feet tall. They boast that they have the tallest Christmas tree. In the Rockefeller Center in New York City, they have a 74 foot tall artificial tree. The branch and they, they say they have 30,000 lights. Utah said we can do better than that. They had a tree that, that stands about 48 feet tall and they said if 30,000 sounds like a lot of lights, they said we're going to put more lights on our tree than any tree in the world. And they put 98 thousand LED lights. And they said, church, they said they had the brightest Christmas tree. I said, well, we're talking about the tallest Christmas tree and now I've told you about the brightest Christmas tree. Then I was overwhelmed. Brother Dave Gaston in the Middle East, in the Emirate Palace, in a luxury hotel, the tree only stands 46 feet tall. They said they didn't pay too much. The tree wasn't too much. The tree cost $11,000. Now, their ideal of not costing much and my... It's two different things. But here's what they said. They said, we have, don't miss this, they said we've got the most expensive Christmas tree. Not the cost of the tree. They had 11, don't miss this, Brother Rick, they had 11 million dollars of precious jewels, of sapphires, of diamonds, of precious jewels was on that Christmas tree. So I talked to you on a Sunday evening about the tallest Christmas tree. I talked to you about the brightest Christmas tree. And then I mentioned to you the most expensive Christmas tree. But ladies and gentlemen, can I preach to somebody? I didn't come to talk to you about Christmas trees. I come to talk to you about Calvary's tree. You say, man of God, what are you talking about? I'm not here to talk, Brother Joplin, about what's under the tree. I come to share with your people what hung on that tree. 
And so someone says, well, Brother Derek, that sounds pretty interesting to me, and surely you're going to shift gears. I'm going to shift gears. Can I tell you, the most glorious, the most grandest, the greatest tree stood outside the city walls of Jerusalem. You're not hearing me yet. It was an engine of torture. The most holy man, the most pure man, heaven's fairest diamond, heaven's fairest jewel hung on that tree. Is anybody glad on a Sunday night that God's only begotten Son hung on that tree? And someone says, well, Brother Derek, do you think it's the tallest tree? I don't believe there's ever been a taller tree. You say, Brother Derek, do you think it's the brightest tree? Oh, I tell you why. I believe it's the brightest tree. Do you agree with the man of God? He is the light of the world. You're not hearing me yet. He signed into darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. Ladies and gentlemen, can I preach to somebody? The light that I'm preaching about can penetrate the darkness in my life can penetrate the darkness in your life. Can penetrate the darkness in your family's life. Is anybody glad? He can turn the light on in your life. He is the light of the world. So I said, God, I like that. He said, well, he said, preach to my people, Derek, that they can look to the tree and live. From the deepest and the darkest, from the fairest to the foulest, can look to the tree. Now give me about five minutes, and I promise I'm going to preach something to you. I'm going to give you some content in just a moment. But could I preach to you like it's the first time I've ever preached? Every man is a sinner. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. May I remind you, no matter the sin that's in your life, no matter the sin that's in your soul, no matter the degradation, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, do you understand on a Sunday night you can look to that tree and live? You can look to that tree and be forever changed. It can change your life. And so I begin to think about Calvary's tree. Here's what I concluded. Brother Branson, the foot of that tree pointed to the hail below. The arms of that tree pointed to the world around. That was going to the hell below. But Jesus came to this world. Hung on that tree. So that we don't have to go to the hell below. But that He can lift us up to the heaven above. Is anybody glad on a Sunday night you don't have to die and go to hell? You don't have to go the wrong way. Your life can be changed on this Sunday night. Calvary's tree. Now just bear with me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but if you take down notes, my early, somebody grin. I want to give you three principles of Calvary's tree. Point number one. I'm going to address tonight the penalty, the penalty of that tree. Do not miss the text that I read to you tonight. Cursed is the man that hangeth upon a tree. Let, let me explain that to you in Derby text or in Derby Kansas uh, language. The fierce indignation, the wrath of a righteous God, the judgment of the Almighty was placed on the Son of God. 
If you agree with that, shout amen. And the Bible said it was accursed. Based on the law of that Moses wrote, Moses said that man that hangs on a tree is cursed. Then Paul addresses us in the text, and he said, it is written. Let me, let me explain that to you. He said, it's already been said. It's already been dialogued. It's already been mentioned. Cursed is the man that hangs on the tree. And someone said, well, man of God, why did he bear the curse? It was based on the law. It was, it was, uh, he was under the curse. And you say, but preacher, do you think man can keep the law? Everybody look up here. Man can't keep the law. Man falls woefully short. Would anybody agree? We tried and we failed. And we continued to look at the law and then look at ourselves. And we could never measure up. We could never get good enough. I'm preaching better than your amen. We could never dress good enough. We could never talk good enough. We could never look good enough. We could never be holy enough. So God said, I've got a plan. I'm going to let my baby boy come to this planet, willingly walk up a hill, willingly bleed and die, and take the curse for all mankind. If you agree with that, shout amen. Here's an interesting fact for you to ponder. Christ knew no sin. He never committed sin. He never had an evil thought. His tongue never uttered an evil word. Y'all ain't hearing me. His hand never touched something that it wasn't supposed to touch. His feet never walked anywhere he wasn't supposed to walk. Well, man of God, what do you call him? I call him holy. I call him pure. I call him undefiled. I call him the son of the living God. There's never been a man like this man. There's never been a Savior. He was pure. He was holy. He was undefiled. He was the answer for you and I. If you agree with what I'm preaching, shout amen. And the curse, the curse of the law came on Him. Don't miss it. The curse is based on the law. The condemnation that the Lord bore. He, He, He did no sins. Do you agree? It wasn't the sin He did. It was the sins that you and I committed. It was my mistake. It was my missing the mark. It, it was my iniquity. It was, y'all hear me? It was my transgressions. It, it was me dropping the ball. The Bible said in St. John 1 and 4, I'm about to get blessed by my own preacher, so I'm going to calm down. The Bible said, and the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. And of truth. Pastor Joplin, here's what makes me want to shout. He was co-equal. Co-eternal. Co-existent. Y'all ain't hearing me yet. Well, man of God now. That don't mean much to me. I, that don't bless me much. I, I don't really think that's much. If, if he's co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. Well, 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 let me blow your mind. I, I, I was reading the other day, and I come along, along this text in, in, in Philippians 2. And it says this. It says this, Brother Dave. It said in, in 2.6, Philippians 2.6, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Co-eternal. 
coexistent. Y'all still ain't hear me yet. And then it said this. I said, well, God, that's good. He said, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and, and, beca- and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. Don't miss it. And became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. Is, is anybody glad? Ladies and gentlemen, he was co-equal. He was co-eternal. He was co-existent. I got one more to blow your mind. Infinite God became infant child. Excuse me. Woo! Woo! Why are you shouting? I can call my wife and say they were shouting on both sides of the building. And she don't have to know, Sister Lord, that it was me shouting. Oh my God, is anybody hearing me? He was co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent, infinite God, now an infinite child. And someone says, would you, would you put the jelly on the bottom shelf? I'll try. Brother Rick, the Bible said in Galatians 4-4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under what? The law. Someone says, well, Brother Derek, I, I don't understand. Here's the best I got, Pastor. He was born of woman. Now he's under the law. He who knew no sin, that, that became sin for fallen man, that we might be the righteousness of God, that we might be the purity of God, you know, that we might be the chosen of God, that we could be the apple of God's eye. Is anybody glad that he went to Calvary's tree? He bore the curse. He bore, he came under the law. Is anybody glad he subjected himself to Calvary's tree for people like you and me? Now, I gotta give you this. And I promise I'll preach something. I said, God, how can I word it? In northeast Alabama, in northeast Soul Creek, a daddy's in a home with his son. He's got two sons. He's only got one with him. Brother Branson, they're in there together. And as they're in the house, out of nowhere, a a, a tornado uh, uh, got up and, and came right toward the house. And the daddy, Brother Rick, the daddy was watching and the daddy saw the wall was about to collapse and, and the wall came down and, and, and there his son was. And, and, and the daddy dove over his son. And as the daddy dove over the son, the daddy took the brunt of the wall falling. And the daddy died. And the son lived. Can I put the jelly on the bottom shelf? He took the blow. He took the blow for His Son. Ladies and gentlemen, would you look up here at the man of God on that hill outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Jesus took the blow for you. He took the blow for me. He died for me. Is anybody glad on a Sunday night? He took the blow, Chris. He did it for you. He did it for your family. He did it for this church. Is anybody glad He took the blow for you and I. Woo! He took the blow. Give me, give me a few minutes. So I said, okay. They beat spikes in his hands and in his feet. They took him 
Before they nailed those spikes, they took him to a whipping post and they drug a cat of nine tails along the dirty ground and lunged it into the back of the Son of God. And you know the, how they, he took the stripes and, and he did it for me. Thirty-nine stripes they, they placed upon him. And the Bible said in the, in the book of Isaiah, I, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Does anybody understand that on Calvary's tree, He bore the curse? Does anybody hear me? He took the curse. He took the penalty for fallen man. And I've got one more Scripture, and I'll go to point two. I was in my room, and on the way over here, and then as I sat on the front row, I looked again. In the book of Isaiah, Brother Joplin, Pastor, it said, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Can I tell you, I'm just a country preacher. I'll never get over that. But it pleased the Lord. Why did it please the Lord? Because he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about that, that drug addict boy that was bound in a cult. He was thinking about you wrapped up in sin and could not find the answer and did not know where, did not know how you could do it. And God said, I'm going to die for you, Joplin. I'm going to take the curse for you so you'll be the man of God at Crossway and Derby that you can be somebody. Is anybody glad on a Sunday night He took the curse? He took it for you and it pleased the Lord to now, now I'm, I'm talking about the gift is hanging on the tree. For, for, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I read that in, in Arkansas language? For God so loved the world. He, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Here, here, here's Arkansas talk. He loved me enough. He did something about it. Sometimes we're just looking for stuff that's so deep that just makes people drop their channel and say, But can I tell you, he loved you enough, he did something about it. Rick Bach, he loved you enough, he did something about it. Dave Gaston, he loved you so much, he did something about it. Branson, he loved you so much, he did something about it. Dirt Stinnett, you're a bald-headed joker, but he loves you so much, he did something about it. Is anybody glad he did something about it? He died for you. He took the place for you. The gift is hanging on the tree. I cannot believe I'm already on point two. Just as shocked as everybody in here. I talked to you about the penalty of the tree. Now, it's going to get good now. It's going to get good now. The purchase. Now you need to write this down. The purchase accomplished by this tree. The purchase accomplished by this tree. Here, here's the text. From the curse of the law. Don't miss it. Christ hath redeemed us. From the curse. Now, I gotta get down here. Have, can I walk among us and act like I'm at home? I ain't got any good sense to stay. It's hot up on that stage. So, so I was, I was, I don't know. I, I told you I, I don't get to do it a lot, but, but I have sometimes been walking a, a, out in a, in a field and, and just, you know, I don't know, hanging out. Walking in a field. And come up to a fence post. And a little turtle. A, a, a tortoise. One of them little cute ones that you see that goes across the road. Come on now, don't y'all sit up right now because I don't know what a tortoise is. A turtle. 
Not a snapper, a turtle. And, 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 and Brother Chris, here, here's my fence post. And I, I'm not paying no mind, Dave. I'm just walking. I'm just looking down and I see a few turtles on the ground and, and I spot them and I pick them up. My son loves turtles. But, but I say, well, that's a turtle. And then I come to a fence post out of nowhere and there's a turtle on top of that fence post. Now everybody look up here. This is going to get real deep. He didn't get there by himself. <laughs> Now, everybody, I, I know some of you think, he, no, he didn't send me up at, if you think that little turtle, that little tortoise had the ability to take his claws and dig up it, no, you're crazy, man. That turtle did not get up there on the fence post by itself. Do you understand? I, I get sick of this mentality. What they're extending, I've been redeemed because I got money. I, I've been redeemed because I got pedigree. I've been redeemed because I'm this or I'm that. Ladies and gentlemen, you didn't get redeemed on your own. You didn't get here on your own. You've been redeemed with a price. He paid a price. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to Him I now reside. I have been redeemed. I didn't get here on my own. He set me in this place. If you agree with that, shout Amen. So I'm talking about I'm talking about the purchase. Now I'll I'll give you this, and I I gotta go. I I get this one too, brother Joplin. This one makes me sick too. But you know, brother, God, 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 He saw something good in me. I hate to shock you. He didn't see no good in you. They guessing. I hate to break it to you. I, you're my buddy, and you're a good friend. But I hate to tell you, he didn't see no good in Dave Gaston. He saw a drunk. He saw a wicked man. He saw a man messed up that couldn't fix himself. That couldn't. Hey, couldn't make his home. It had to be God that did a miracle. And is, is anybody hear me? He didn't, hey, none righteous. No, not one. We've all dropped the ball. We've all come short of the glory of God. Is anybody glad on a Sunday night? It wasn't the good in you. It was what He did on Calvary's tree that makes all the difference in our life. The only merit, the only merit I can give you is it's not my merit. It's not, I'm not deserving. He made this possible. I'll give you this and I'm done. With point two. Now I don't mean anything if you've ever heard me preach. But I'll give you this. Jot this down. I'm still on the purchase accomplished by this tree. God's concept. That is revealed, Branson. God's concept that is revealed. Claim results. I have to think about that one. And I'm going to let it sink in. Why are you letting it sink in? It's marinating. How many of you ain't no need throwing them steaks on the grill without marinating them? Marinate them. Put them in that. Come on now. Don't y'all sit up and act like y'all don't know it. Marinate. I can't talk, but that's what we do. We put all the stuff, we fix them up, we, we let them soak, and, and then it just gets right. But God's concept that is revealed, claim results. The, the year, the best example I can give you was the, the month was January the 1st, 1863. It, it, is, it is what they call, it is, it is in, he, he issued an executive order, Abraham Lincoln. He issued an executive order, the Emancipation of Proclamation. He signed by decree. And when he did, Pastor, 3.1 million slaves were liberated by his signature on the decree. 
But Brother Rick, it was years later before they got that freedom. Someone says, well, what am I free by? No, you're not free by ink that was put on a parchment. You've been made free by the blood that was shed on the tree. My God, I don't know how y'all can stay so calm. And here, here is the concept. Here is the concept that I want to give you. God's concept revealed. And it gives a result. It claims a result. And here's the result of what God did on the tree. He said this, Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And then He said later, Know ye not that your body is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Can I preach to somebody? Is anybody glad? You've been bought with a price. And it claims results. I've been redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. My life has been changed. If you agree with that, shout amen. And, and the Holy Ghost lives in me. Here's the purchase that accomplished. I got a buddy... And, and I'm going to get real with you. I, I, had no, I had no tension. God won't let me alone. God won't let me get this story out of my mind. It was in Wichita Falls, Texas. And a man in that church was battling. Before he got saved, he battled internet pornography. Now, I need everybody to look up here so I can talk to you. Can I tell you we're hard on people in the church that get saved and then battle We roll our eyes and we act like we cannot believe you are still battling stuff. You know what's wrong with you? You just don't tell anybody you battle. You just got that suit on or you got that dress on and you grin a lot and you act like you got life by the tail and you don't battle nothing and your family just walks on a higher plane. Get up here. Get real, son. You battle the same stuff everybody else battles. And this man, this pastor said, he said, now listen, he said, I'm not, I'm not going to believe, I'm believing God is going to deliver you and has delivered you. But he said, if you battle that pornography again, he said, I want you to say this. He said, Pastor, what do you want me to say? He said, say, I'm the righteousness of God. Say, I'm the purity of God. Say, I'm the redeemed of God. Say, I'm a prized possession. I'm about to get blessed. And the man sat down, Brother Branson, he's battling Brother Joplin, he's battling internet pornography. He got delivered, he got saved, but, but that stuff began to creep back in his life. And he sat down on the computer. And Brother Dave Gaston, he turns on the computer. He's just about a one mouse click away from going to internet pornography. But before he did, he remembers the word of the man of God he loved. And he said, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the purity of God. I'm the ransomed of God. I'm the prized possession of God. I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody and I'm going somewhere. And all of a sudden he said this. He said it was like a hand came down from the glory world and took a hold of my hand and I turned it off. And he said I turned my computer off and I leaned back, Chris, in my chair and I threw both hands up and he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm redeemed. I'm a Christian. I'm the light of the world. Is anybody glad? The purchase! He... Whoa! He purchased for you and me. Now I'm going to give you my last point. Now I don't mean anything. Someone say amen. I preached about the penalty. The, the, the purchase accomplished by this tree. Thirdly, the paradox that is attached to the tree. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear me. I'll say it again. The paradox that is attached to this tree. Well, the Joplin and I, it looks to be a contradiction. How can a man die 
and lives be saved? How can He have stripes on His back and we get healed? Causes me to shake my head. How about yours? How can He be rejected and I be accepted? How can He hurt and I get healed? Don't hear me yet. How is He bruised and I'm blessed? In the economy of God, I just got to realize that's it. In the economy of God, He's wounded, I'm healed. He's rejected, I'm received. And in the economy of God, Nagashton, He gets a crown of thorns. I get a crown of righteousness. Is anybody glad there's a paradox that is attached to this tree? It's going to get real good. Give me a minute. It would appear that He's the victim of suffering and He suffers vicariously for you and I. But His tragedy, Brother Chris, is turned into a triumph. The heel of Horus has been transformed into a heel whence cometh my help. Woo! Woo! My God, I don't know how y'all can sit so calm. Is anybody glad on a Sunday evening in the economy of God? He's wounded. He's beaten. But He gives me the answer. He gives me the remedy. He gives me the cure. What a Savior on a Sunday night. I'll give you this. The year was 1981. 1981. A little boy was lost in the polymer woods outside San Diego, California. A large camping area. Brother Branson, they found him four days later, dead to exposure to the cold. So moved the National Research, excuse me, the National Search and Rescue Team. They began to go to schools every, every year around the time the little boy died and talk to the little boys and girls about how to survive if you're lost in the woods. That little boy's name was Jimmy. He died. He got separated from his dad. He got separated from his mama. And it so moved their heart, the rescue workers, that they volunteered to go to public schools. And they first said that they, they Brother Chris, they wanted to make, Brother Brent said they wanted to make a, a line, and, and here, here's how the line started. That they'd tell little boys and girls. They'd say this. Don't run. Don't search for help. Find a tree and hug it. And if you hold it long enough, help will come. mean don't run don't try to find help just hug a tree D- does anybody understand do you remember you were running backwards do you remember you were going wayward do you remember you were going devilward do you remember you were going downward do you remember you were going down a wrong road you're all about you i'm preaching better than your amen your life was consumed about you it was you it was you it was you and your life was out of control and some night some revival you heard about a camp meeting, you heard about a meeting, or someone invited you to church and you came. I, I remember the night that I got saved. It was October the 19th, 1987. On the back row, the Holy Ghost arrested my heart. Brother Branson, I walked down the aisle. I cannot explain it. I held on to the tree. Now, I didn't know what I was doing, but I held on to the tree. And I looked up and it was almost like I could see him bleeding for me, dying for me. Ah, taking my place, being for me what I could not be for myself. And all of a sudden, help came. And the Holy Ghost and the God of glory done something in my life. Hold the tree. 
The year was 1913. The Dayton, Ohio flood. They called it. It was a hundred years and from 1913 to 2013. So the Joplin, they interviewed a man that was 101 years old. He survived the Dayton flood. He told the story how he was eight months old. <laughs> Someone says, well, Derek, ain't no way he could remember that. Well, they told him a few times in his life. He related the story how that his mama frantically got a hold of him and put him in the boat. And his mama found his brother and his sister and put them in the boat. And the boat was swept away by the current, the Dayton flood. And a and, and hundred years later, from 1913 to 2013, they commemorated the flood. And they interviewed this man. And here's what he said. He said, Mama was so scared and she tried to get us all of us kids to safety. And as we were floating down the stream, down the flood, my mama got a hold of a tree. And she said, little boys and little girls and dads and moms, you could hear them scream, my baby, my baby. But mama couldn't let go of the tree. And he said this, Dave. He said, I'm alive today. Because Mama held on to the tree. You say, what's the big deal? I'm trying to get somebody on a Sunday night that the flood of this world is sweeping them down the stream. I'm trying for you to understand there is no hope in Buddha. There is no hope in Muhammad. There's only one hope. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And you got to put your faith in what He did on the tree. And if you hold on and you cling to the old rugged cross, your life will be changed by the power of that tree. I close. Derek Stennett, do you mean it? It's only an evangelist can mean it. She was 15 years old. He was 17. They were high school sweethearts. They waited until they graduated. And when they graduated, they got married. They had a child. I'll put it blunt. They had a child every year. I think you understand child every year. She's in her mid-twenties. 23, 24. She's got, they got several kids. He's out working. She's standing in the, in the kitchen doing dishes. The dishes are stacked high and, and the laundry's running over. Something snapped. Pastor Joplin. Something snapped in her mind. She couldn't handle the pressure. And she left those kids and those dirty dishes, and the laundry in the laundry room. And she walked outside and drove away. Daddy came in at six that evening from work, all day work. He found the kids crying and out of control. He said, where's your mama? Dad, she left in the day. We, we don't know when, but we, we, were, we were all in the room. And we, we started looking for mom, and mom was gone. About 10 o'clock that night, she called home and she said this. She said, uh, are the kids okay? He said, if you mean have they been fed? Have they had their bath? Are they in bed, covered up and asleep? And the answer is yes. But if you think they're okay, hon, they're not okay. They want their mama. They want you and your husband wants you. She could not. Something had snapped in her mind the next day. The same time she calls again. A week went by. A month went by. And the same story. She'd call, how's the kids? How are, what's going on? Are the kids okay? Well, they've been fed. They've been bathed and they're in the bed. But, but they're not okay. All they want, Mom. All they want, honey, is you. Three months went by, Brother Joplin. And he decided to hawk his guns and Talk all his valuables and hire a detective to find his long lost wife. And the detective began to look for his wife and 
he came back and said, I found your wife. She's in, 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 in Iowa in an old run-down rickety hotel three flights, three stories up. She's on the third floor. He said, well, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go get her. So he, he'd already hawked everything that was valuable, so now he borrows money. He gets in the car and he, he rehearses his lines. He rehearses what he's going to tell his wife. And he drives all those miles, two states over, and gets to that run-down rickety hotel. Climbs up the steps and knocks on the door. And she comes to the door and her jaw drops. Honey, it's, it's you. That long list of things he was going to say melted away. And he embraced her. And he said, honey, I love you. The kids love you and you don't have to say nothing. We just want you to come home. They embraced for 15, 20 minutes. She loaded up and went back home. They got home. And the month went by. He never, Davy never said a word. He never said a word. But in a month, he worked up enough courage. And he said, I begged you every night to come home. And you wouldn't come home. And he said, honey, I, I, I just got to know why did this change it for you? And she said without delay and without hesitation, because you came. Because you came. Can I tell you that's exactly what Jesus did? He came from heaven to this earth. But Derek, I've got emotional baggage. But Derek, I'm bound by drugs. But Derek, I've got something that's snapped in my mind. Do you mean to tell me He came for me? Do you mean to tell me He'll redeem me? Do you mean to tell me He can come to where I am? Ladies and gentlemen, God brought by a preacher boy from Arkansas to tell you He came for you. He came to this planet. He walked up that hill and bled on that tree for you and I. The gift is hanging.